Well, I invite you to uh, turn to our passage this morning. It is 2 Corinthians 9. If you have one of the black Bibles that's scattered about the chairs, it should be on uh, page 968. We've been studying through 2 Corinthians and started this section uh, last week. Chapters 8 and 9 are, 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 are uh, a set section of Paul's letter. Uh, he's talking about giving in both of those chapters. Uh, but you might remember if you were here last week, he's talking about a very specific gift that he's encouraging the Corinthians about. It's this gift that's being collected, this offering that's being collected around the, uh, the Gentile churches in the Mediterranean world, specifically to go towards helping uh, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. There has been a great famine there. There's great poverty and need among God's people. So God is, uh, Paul is getting this offering together. Um, we looked last week at uh, chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. Uh, and then a couple sections, just a quick uh, catch you up to, till we get to our passage. So the end of chapter, uh, chapter 8 is all about Paul talking about who's going to do the collecting. He talks about Titus and a couple of other uh, other well-trusted uh, uh, Christians, and, and Paul's reminding them these people were chosen with care, so you can trust and, and, and make sure, know this offering is going to be cared for. The first couple of verses of chapter 9 are Paul encouraging the Corinthians to get ready. Uh, he says to them, you, you already promised to do this, so now get ready. You don't want don't to be embarrassed by it to be collection time and you're not ready. Uh, and that gets us to, to our passage, uh, verse 9, or excuse me, chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. So let's, let's read God, God's word together. <clears throat> the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency at all times, in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous uh, in every way, in which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the, your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Well, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you uh, 
that you have given us the gift of your word, uh, that you've, your word shows us your love and care and your salvation. And we pray that we would be, as your people, encouraged and strengthened, uh, even by this portion of your word. On this morning, we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how many of you tend to worry about money? The, the, the subject of finances gets you a little anxious from time to time, worrying about, is there going to be enough to take care of things today? Uh, maybe it's worries about what's kind of in the future that you either know about in the future, or maybe you worry about what might you not know about in the future. Uh, but you get anxious, you get, you get fearful. And look, here you are in church, and it's a passage about giving, and you're thinking, great, one more thing to worry about. I gotta sit through this and feel more guilty about what I'm not doing or something like that. Well, well, what if, what if the subject of money generally, even giving specifically, didn't produce fear, but actually was a reminder of peace? Is that even possible? Does that, does that sound like fantasy land? What if God's word actually here actually brought us more peace, not less? Uh, what, if, what if giving uh, reminded us of, uh, of our lack of fear that we, don't, that we can have, that, we, that we is ours in Christ? Well, I think that's exactly what Paul wants us to, to see and what we're going to try to look for as we go. Uh, and see Paul's instruction to the Corinthians then and through the Holy Spirit to us uh, to us today. So we'll take it under four headings. Uh, you'll see them listed there in the back of your bulletin. Starting off with what we'll call the, the foundation of giving. Uh, the foundation of giving. The, the foundation and the fuel uh, for, for this kind of peaceful giving well, you've got to have the right foundation, and the only foundation is Jesus and his gospel. Uh, and it, it's, it's hinted at in our passage, and it's a good place to remind ourselves of what we talked about last week. So, so you can see the, lots well, more than a hint, uh, a, a statement of it in verse 13. So verse 13, you have to understand what Paul's doing. He's talking about the, uh, the Jerusalem Christians, and what they're and they're going to receive this gift. Um, so, verse thirteen: by their this is the Jerusalem Christians by their approval of this service, the gift, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Right. So you see what the Jerusalem Christians are going to get this gift. And what are they gonna what are they gonna see in this gift? Uh, they're gonna see that that what's behind it, uh, the foundation of it, what fueled it, uh, was was the gospel. Uh, was the was the Corinthian Christians' confession holding on to the good news of Jesus? So they're gonna look through the gift and see the gospel behind it, and that's why they're gonna glorify God. You see what Paul's saying. He's saying that, that 
the foundation of this kind of a giving, what we can call peaceful giving, uh, is the good news of Jesus. Is the good news of Jesus. If you're here last week, we spent a lot of time. We spent basically the, the whole message talking about that. Quick review. Some of you weren't there. Uh, it was chapter 8, verse 9. Right in the midst of this whole section on giving, uh, Paul is going is to proclaim the gospel to us in money language. So let's, let's read it again uh, and, and remind ourselves. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So, so here's the good news. Here's the, here's the foundation. Is that Jesus humbled himself to the lowest place. And that he, he took on human flesh. He went all the way to the cross, bearing our sin, bearing our guilt. So that by that, by that poverty, by that becoming poor, all the way to the cross, we become rich. We who are, who are impoverished in our sin get to become rich in Christ. Rich in the fact that we're forgiven, right? Our sins cleansed. Rich in that we're adopted as children of God. Uh, that, the, that the very God that, that we've rebelled against, uh, we get to be adopted into his family. That, that he cares for us as a, as a father cares for his children. That he delights in us. Remember how we said last week, quoting from the Old Testament, that he rejoices over us with singing. Uh, and, and so that, as Jesus was emphasizing in Matthew 6, so that he delights to know every need of our hearts and to care for them. That's our Father. That's the riches we have. Uh, the inheritance uh, that's kept in heaven for us. Uh, unfading, unspoiled, not like the things of this world, but unfading. Uh, kept for us. We get a down payment of it now for the Holy Spirit. Uh, all of that, all of that, the riches we have because Christ became poor for us. That's our, that's our security. Right? That's our foundation. That's our, our, our safety, our security. Um, which is important to, to, to re-emphasize because, because when we, we get into a, a conversation in our heads, typically, get into a conversation in our heads about finances, uh, we, can, we can so easily uh, lose track of where our ultimate security is uh, and start to, start to change the equation and start to think security would come if I had a little more money, right? right? You've probably thought that. If I just had a little bit more, then I'd feel more secure. Then I then I could feel then I could feel peaceful just a little bit more. I I came across this article this week uh, that was in in Forbes, and it was this financial planner. Financial planner, so he says like yeah I, I have all kinds of clients you know from wealthy to not so wealthy, and and he says you'd think you'd think that that the the rich worried less about money, and he said. Nope, not at all. That, that those who are wealthy, generally speaking, worry just as much as those who are not so wealthy at all. But that's, a, that's the opposite of what we, we think. 
we think, ah, I would feel more secure. I would worry less if I just went up an income bracket. And, and here's this guy who, who does this all the time. He says, no, it doesn't work. And of course, if we think about it theologically, we're like, oh yeah, of course. Because, because that's not a, a true security. The problem isn't that we don't have enough. It's that we're looking for the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place. Now, that's a rotten foundation, right? Now, that foundation is going to fall apart. You can build it as high as you want, uh, but it still, it still can't, can't sustain the weight. Money was never meant to. Things of this world were never meant to sustain that weight of giving you security, giving you safety. But here is what is. Uh, it's what God has done for us in the gospel. Uh, there's our safety and there's our security. And we already have it. Not something that we're working to achieve. We have it. If you have Christ, you have it. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So having the right foundation. You have to know Christ and have the riches in him. And then uh, it's what flows out of it. So we can talk secondly about the manner of giving. And here, uh, starting with the beginning of our passage, verse 6. So this is the, if you have that foundation in Christ, well then, what does giving look like? Paul gives some encouragement. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So how should we give? Paul says, well, first... Our giving should be bountiful, generous. He paints this picture of farming. You know, the, the, the farmer goes out to, to sow seed, and, and how's he going to do it if he's a smart farmer? He's going to sow as much as he possibly can. Um, and yeah, you know, to sow the seed is to, is to lose it. You're giving it up. Uh, but, but he's thinking, yeah, if I, if, I, if I give it up, it means I get more in return. It's, it's like you putting in your tomato plants this time of year. You, you could put in just one, uh, but you know if you put in a bunch more, you're going to get a bunch more tomatoes in a couple months. right? And so that, that generosity, uh, that, that bountiful uh, sowing is, is encouraged. Uh, and Paul's gonna, we're going to come back to, to that, emphasis, that idea of what, what the blessings that come, the results that come from our from our giving, but but here just notice the manner. Uh, it's that that joyful, bountiful sowing uh, called to give bountifully, give generously. Uh, verse seven, give cheerfully. He says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly uh, or under compulsion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here's. Paul's saying it's not just the act itself, uh, but we're called to do the act in a particular way, cheerfully. You know? so, so you can think about how you do the act. You know, maybe, maybe it's you still write out a check. Maybe it's the only check you ever write. Uh, and, and, you know, how do you write out that offering check? Is it, is it kind of the same mindset of how you pay the electric bill? Or, or how you take care of your taxes, you know. Okay, got to do it. You know, wish it was lower, but got to do it. It's just paying a bill, taking care of business. Paul says, "No, we're called to give, give cheerfully." 
Uh, give cheerfully, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Right? We're not to think of it like a tax. Right? Right? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to tip the waiter, so I'll add a little tip. Yeah. Uh, not reluctantly, but but cheerfully, uh, under compulsion. Paul goes out of his way to to ch- try not to pressure them. Right? He's, I'm not compelling you. Uh, but I want you to decide and give from the heart. Give cheerfully. Now, one of the subjects that often comes up in discussions like this is, is should Christians tithe? Uh, should Christians tithe, right? You, you might know that in the Old Testament law, there was, uh, there was a command uh, to, when harvest time came, you gave 10% tithe. You gave 10% uh, to the work uh, of the Lord there through the priests at the temple, or the tabernacle. Uh, so 10%, biblical idea, uh, are we as Christians called to, uh, to do that? Well, uh, y- y- probably a variety of different thoughts and convictions. You talk to different pastors, you'll get slightly different takes. Um, but, but let me give you a couple, couple thoughts. Uh, first of all, uh, you can see it's a biblical idea. right? It's a biblical idea. right? There it is in the Old, uh, Old Testament law. Um, right to uh, so so as a as a place to to encourage us to think what uh, what might push ourselves towards generosity and giving uh, there's a there's a biblical idea uh, a ten percent gift to the Lord at the same time we should notice here uh, that Paul uh, as he's talking about how the Corinthians should give he doesn't give them a number. Uh, in, in fact, he seems to go out of his way not to give them a number. Now, he does say in 1 Corinthians about this same gift, um, it should be in proportion to your income. So there's kind of a percentage idea. But he doesn't give them a, a, a specific number. Um, so I think we could say 10% is a great, a great place to, to push ourselves. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if not something you're in the practice of doing or you're in the neighborhood of doing, uh, it could be a good number to to try to push yourselves towards generosity. But we don't want to be fixated on the number because that could that could get us in trouble too. Uh, for example, we could probably all agree, if we think about it, there's, there's some point at which 10% stops being generous and sacrificial. Um, okay, think, think of an extreme example. I, I saw uh, this week that, that Michael Jordan makes something like $200 million a year uh, off of Nike from his name being used. So passive income, $200 million a year. Say Michael Jordan tithes. Like, wow, tithing, $200 million, $20 million a year. That's a lot of money. But would you say that's a sacrificial gift on Mike's part? Right? Oh, okay. You got to really tighten your belt, Mike. Come on. Only got $180 million to to live off of. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a sacrifice. He probably, he wouldn't even notice $20 million, uh, right? It, it's, it, it's, it's not sacrificial in the same way that someone in a very different income bracket uh, it would be sacrificial. So at some point, uh, we can't just assume that God's, God's plan is, is just keep expanding your lifestyle uh, with that 90%. It's just free to do whatever you want, as long as you just kind of write off the 10 
Uh, right? So in that sense, at some point, for some, it can actually get in the way. Uh, a tie could get in the way of generosity. Um, and the other thing, and maybe the encouragement for uh, for those of you who, who that is that's exactly the number you go to, is is make sure you don't use it as an excuse uh, internally not to follow what Paul said here, because um, because sometimes we can get into that habit of I'll I'll give ten percent so I don't have to think about it, uh, right? So I don't have to. I just like it's automatic. Just do the math and send it out. But Paul's saying here, he's saying, actually think about it. Right? Right? Think about it. Decide in your heart and, and, and give cheerfully. Right? Don't, don't turn 10% into like the electric bill. And, and so you still might give the same thing, perhaps. Um, but 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 try to do it intentionally. Try to do it cheerfully. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, God, God calls you uh, to that uh, as, as, as his people. God calls you to give cheerfully, give bountifully. That's how Christ gave to us. Right? There's the foundation coming back. Christ gave sacrificially. He gave, he gave cheerfully for the joy set before him. Uh, he gave all to, to sacrifice us. And that's the spirit we have. Uh, that's the spirit we have in us. So the manner we're giving. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but God's... Well, let's talk about strength. It's not easy, which is why we need to talk about, well, where does the strength come from? Uh, and here we move into verses 8, and, uh, eight, 9, and 10, and we'll see that the strength for giving comes out of who God is, and specifically to really powerful truths about God. The strength for giving comes out of the truth that your father is powerful and your father is good. Or if you want to use the language of our text, God is able and God will. See if you can see those things uh, and grab onto them. So 2 Corinthians 9-2, or excuse me, 8, 9-8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Right? God is able. It's the, it's the word for power. God has the power. God has the power to do what? Well, and Paul answers it, and notice how we really try to get through to our heads by saying, by using repetition, God has the power to all, 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 all. Trying to ram home. God, God has the power. God is able to make all grace abound to you, right? God is able to pour into your life grace, right? So it's it's not talking about what you deserve here. God pours into your life exactly what you don't deserve, and not just enough. Right? What does Paul say? Make all grace abound. Right? This overflowing quality. Uh, yeah, he's able to do that. He's able to do that so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Right? God is able to give you everything you need to abound in everything he calls you to do. He's the one who can do it. He's the one who can supply it. 
a lot of times when it comes to, to doing a good work, we can think, okay, well, do I have the resources to do it? Right? And maybe, maybe sometimes we even talk ourselves out of something because we think, yeah, I would do that, but I just don't, I don't have the resources to do it. And maybe it's financial, I don't have the financial resources. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's even emotional and fit and 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 uh, and mental. Like I, I just I'm just not in a phase where I can I can handle that right now. Uh, or or I'm the kind of person who just needs A, B, C, and D uh, before I can get to that. Um, you know, we, we kind of a good work opportunity comes and we we assess our resources, and that's not bad. And that that's in some ways essential. Um, but that can't be the only thing we do. The only thing we, we, we assess uh, are resources and what we have. Because Paul says, no, here you got to bring in this other person in the equation, this other very big person, the God who is able uh, to make all grace of God for every good work, uh, for, for sufficiency in all things. Because the truth is, there's a lot of good works that God calls us to, financial and non-financial. That truth is, if it's just me and my resources, I don't have the ability to do it. You don't have the ability to do it. Um, and and in, in many ways, he does that on purpose. He calls us to things we're like, I can't do that, just me. Yeah, so we realize that the only way is by relying on the strength that's, that's bigger than us. And here, uh, God goes back to Paul goes back to that strength, that God who is able, that God who has power uh, to give sufficiency in all things at all times. Uh, so your father is powerful. God is able. And then Paul brings in, in verse 10, a corresponding truth. Not just is he, power, is he powerful, but your father is good. Right? Your father will. God will. There is the language uh, of the passage. God will. Right? Verse 10. What will God do? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So here's Paul. He's coming back to the, the farming picture. And he shows where God is in the equation. So yes, on the, on the human level, it's a, it's a human sowing seed. Uh, but, but he says, oh, but look, look who's giving the seed. And he, he says, that's what God does. God supplies it. Uh, God's the one who supplies that seed. Right? He's the, he's the one who is powerful. He owns everything. He's able to do everything. And what exactly does he do? Is he good with all that power? And here Paul's answering that question. Verse 10, oh yeah, he's very good with it. Uh, he supplies right, the, the, this, all the seed we need to sow, but also the seed we need to eat and the food we need to eat. Right? Seed for the sower and also bread for food at the same time. It could be that's, that's the end of the harvest in mind. He's going to supply the bread at the end of the harvest. It also could be he's going to supply what we need for right now. Because, you know, in the ancient world, if you're, if you're sowing seed, it means you're not baking bread with that wheat. Right? Well, uh, here it's like, well, God supplies for both. He's going to uh, supply enough for you to sow uh, some for the next harvest, but also some for you to eat right now. Right? He supplies it all. That's part of our fear often. Well, if I give, I'm not going to have enough to eat. 
And here, here Paul very well might be saying, hey, God's the God who supplies all that. He's that good. Right? So you have the powerful God uh, uh, who is good with that power. It's actually the very same thing that Jesus pointed to, right? In our Matthew 6 passage, right? It's similar kinds of ideas. You know, do you get anxious and fearful, Jesus says, about physical things? Uh, And what does he point to about why we don't need to be anxious? He points to who God is and basically says the same two truths about your father. He's powerful and he's good. Uh, he, he, he knows what you need, uh, and he will supply it. That's why you can seek first his kingdom, because you know who he is. It's based on, uh, it's based on who your father is. So it's that strength that comes uh, from the Lord, therefore we act. Right? Uh, it's not act, and, and then maybe you'll get strong. Um, or or act, and then maybe you'll get peace. Which, which kind of putting these truths together, it's important to, to remember that we, we're called to give and do all good works because of what we already have, not because of what we're hoping to get. Uh, okay, t- take it on the financial level. Um, some of you have seen the you know, the Christian financial resource stuff. You know, there's kind of these guys who write this Christian finance material and, uh, you know, the books, the seminars, and, and it's some very good stuff. Uh, and some really good biblical principles, you know, debt is bad, uh, saving is good. Uh, almost all these guys, you know, giving, oftentimes they'll name 10%, give 10%. You know, really, really good stuff that we take to heart and good to take to heart and, and, and stuff. But sometimes... We can misunderstand that or misapply it. Uh, and what we what we end up doing is, ah, okay, here's the checklist, and then I can have peace about my finances. Right? If I if I go down the checklist, okay, and maybe it's even a good checklist, you know, get rid of debt, uh, you know, have a budget. Uh, have a savings, have an emergency savings fund. Check, 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 check. And then you get peace. Oh, but, but what happens if you didn't check off the list? Right? Do, you, do you have a balance on your credit card? Sorry, no peace for you. Is that what, is that what God is saying here? No, actually, Paul's view of the Christian life, Jesus' view of the Christian life, is actually the reverse It's, you give generously because you already have the peace. You already have the security and the strength. Uh, Not based on what you do, 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 but because of what God, uh, who God is, and what God has done in his son. God has done it uh, in Christ, right? Check, check, check. What Christ did, did, did. He did it for you. He won everything so that you are absolutely secure. Uh, So the peace is yours. You might not feel it, uh, but but you have it. And it's not at all based on what you do. Uh, It's yours. And that is why uh, that's the strength from which you go into the Christian life. and, And you do boldly. 
right? That's why you seek first the kingdom, because you already know this and have this strength and confidence that your father knows you and loves you, right? You already have the peace of security in him. Therefore, you do the good things because you come from a place of strength. Right, so it's not do things so that maybe you can achieve some strength, peace. You have it. You have it in Christ. Maybe you forgot it. Uh, maybe you're not 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 remembering it. But you have it in Christ. Uh, you didn't earn a bit of it. Uh, Christ did the checklist. Now you can boldly act. Actually, you can act more boldly uh, because it's not all depending on you. At the end of the day. Uh, that's the Christian life according to Paul. Whether it's money or anything else in the Christian life, uh, it's because of who God is and because of who what God has done. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. In view of the riches we have in Christ and the peace we have in Christ and the security we have in Christ, therefore we can give generously. The order is important. It's the heart of the gospel and the heart of the Christian life. Okay, the strength we have in Christ. Uh, let's go ahead then quickly to our final point um, and the results of giving. Uh, you, can, you can start to see uh, this, this flow here. Uh, it's, it's, it's the flow of grace. It's grace in us, grace through us, and then more grace uh, at the end. Uh, so the, the results of giving. So the, the sowing picture that he gives, uh, that there is, there's a result of the process. There is a harvest, and Paul talks about that. Uh, it, it comes in multiple forms, multiple results, multiple aspects to the harvest, you could say. So first of all, verse 10, he mentions that there is, there is blessing for us as we give. Uh, right? So he, God supplies this, this seed for sowing. There is grace to us. Uh, and then, then there's going to be uh, this increase, what's the harvest? Increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, we're already righteous in Christ, uh, but God is, is making us more and more Christ-like. We get, to, we get to walk in Christ-likeness. And of course, as, as, we, as we give, what are we doing? Uh, but through the Spirit of Christ, we're walking the road of Christ, right? Just like he gave, well, we give. And so look. Part of the, the harvest we get is we look more like Jesus. Uh, it, it, it's grace. It's grace-fueled and then grace result. But we get to be more and more uh, like Jesus. Uh, there's the blessing of God providing for us. Uh, he will. Um, he mentions in verse 12 two other results of the harvest. Results of, of giving. Um, verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Uh, so uh, here, again, remember what he's, what he, the offering that he's talking about. It's this, this offering that's going to these, uh, these famine-stricken Christians in Jerusalem. And he says, well, well for starters, part of what God's going to do through the giving, he's going he's to care for his people. In other words, he's going to actually provide for those saints. Uh, God's going to work through that. You can even just stop and think about it for a minute. You know, throughout the Bible, God has provided for, for hungry, uh, his hungry people in a whole bunch of different ways. I mean, some, sometimes he does it dramatically. 
and, and directly, you know, manna from heaven. You might say, well, how come, how come God doesn't just manna from heaven to those Jerusalem Christians? Can he do that? Of course he can do that. Why wouldn't he do that? Well, I don't know exactly, but you can see what his plan is. His plan is he decides not to do manna from heaven. Instead, he's going to provide for them through his people. Through the giving of his people. So you see, you see, like put yourself in the Corinthian Christians. If you start to have a God mindset of this, you say, hold it. You mean God, instead of manna from heaven, he's gonna he's gonna use me? Like I'm gonna be the, the, the God mechanism, the God instrument? That that's pretty cool. That God of all things is gonna use me to care for his people. That's 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 what he does. Uh, and you can even you can take that to to uh, to giving that we do. Maybe it's a diaconal offering. You can think there are you know there there are Christians within the body who are going through hard times, and yeah, God could give directly to them, and maybe He will do that. But part of what He's going to do is He's going to work through me and my offering. That, that's pretty exciting. Or or a regular offering. You can think of it going to mission works around the world, or. It, going through the care of the local church, and you're thinking, yeah, here's how God has chosen to, to care for his, his people, to, to send out his gospel. He might do it directly, but part of what he's going to do, he's going to work through me and my giving. Little me? God's going to use little me? Uh, and instead of direct matter? Yeah, that's, that's his plan. That's pretty exciting. So it gets us excited. And so for starters, the results of our giving, God works through us to care for the need. But then also, there's this other result that Paul highlights there in verse 12. <clears throat> Not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Um, so, in other words, the generous giving of the Corinthians is going to produce many thanksgivings to God, much glorifying of God. Because here are these Jerusalem Christians. They're going to they're gonna look at and think about these Gentile believers. Paul says uh, later that these are the, the very Gentiles that the Christians there in Jerusalem are longing for and praying for, right? So they're praying for these Gentiles, and now they, they get this offering from them. And, and they're going to get to see, as we talked about earlier, what they're going to know what's behind that offer. Oh, yeah, it's because the gospel got into those Gentile Christians and transformed them and Took them from from those who were uh, who knew nothing of God, those who were who were takers, uh, and now turned them into givers, forgiven, rejoicing in their Father's care. Now turned them into givers, and these Gentile, these Jerusalem Christians are going to look at that and be like, "How amazing what God did, Lord! You're, thank you. You're, you're they're praising God because of what He did, uh, and it's and it's the offering that that produces that uh, that results in that." Uh, they're glorifying God for his grace. Okay. Start to put it all together. Start to, well, maybe we go back to our where we began. You know, the question of, do, do you tend to worry about money? Uh, right? I think we all do, don't we? This is, this is a hard one. Uh, this is a hard one. Um, but, but what if, what if the subject of of giving, yeah, even on a Sunday morning, wasn't this like, oh, I wish we were preaching on something else? You know, 
What if it actually was this opportunity where we get to go and realize how great God is? That, that the thinking about the act draws in the, the goodness of the gospel, draws in the, the love of our Father, the security we already have, and his wonderful plan to work through us and care for us every way along the way. Uh, and, and bring us not to a place where we go down, but we can only go up. Maybe financially, but uh, but but in true riches, it's it's only upward. That's that's really that's really what gospel giving is about. That's really what the Christian life is about. Uh, and so, at the end of the day, we go back uh, to who God is and what He has done in Christ, and we rejoice in Him, and then we live out of that. Uh, that's the call uh, for his people. So let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would, you would strengthen and encourage your people, Lord, to show us the, the riches that we have been given as, uh, as sinners but saved by grace through the work of Jesus. Lord, that that would be our strength and that we live boldly out of it in every area of our lives, but even in this in this subject of, of finances and giving, uh, Lord, we, we, we commit it to you because uh, you are our Father and you're good uh, and you're able and will care for us in every way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.